0: We talking about practice, not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. The okay. kick. It is God. Oh God. God. God, God, God. beat the man, you gotta beat the man. The two-one lane line drive here. field. One again. is in. Cameron Green hits the throw to the plate. Here's the Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. This is the Powers on Sports podcast. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host Jason. Down in Tampa, burning hot. Tampa, it is blazing hot here. The record-setting month of July, the hottest month in the history of the city of Tampa, was July of 2022. So crazy hot down here! Um, what a week of stuff going on in sports. From from we have some passings of some icons. We have some just major NFL news. We had a, the N- MLB trade deadline with a humongous trade, maybe an all-time kind of trade of Juan Soto. Um, so we're gonna talk. We're gonna hit on a couple of these topics tonight and this week. For you, we got TJ Reeves of the Buccaneers Radio Network, sideline reporter, podcaster, uh, play by play guy. He's going to join me in a few minutes. We're going to talk Vin Scully. We're going to talk Deshaun Watson. We're going to talk Bill Russell. We have some great uh, chat about those guys, the icons uh, of the sport. And then obviously, we're going to break down the Deshaun Watson situation. But before we get to TJ, I want to give you a few thoughts on the trade deadline as well as the Miami Dolphins' tampering charges. First off, The Major League trade deadline just passed on Tuesday this week. The monster move by the San Diego Padres acquiring Juan Soto and Josh Bell for a bunch of prospects and a couple of Major League guys. If you listened to the Powers on Sports podcast a week or so back, you heard me say the San Diego Padres would be big players at the trade deadline for Soto, and and yet they are. What a team they're putting together. Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis. You have Darvish, you have, they also went out and acquired uh, Josh Hader, the, the big time closer from the Milwaukee Brewers, as well as Soto. So what a team they're putting together. They're not gonna win the division, but they're gonna be in the wild card uh, here come in September, uh, in October. So huge move by the by the Padres. They still have control over Soto for the next two and a half years, so they got time to get a long-term deal in a place. They will get a deal done with Soto with as many guys as they gave up. They will get Soto signed for 10 to 12 years uh, for somewhere in the neighborhood of probably $450, $500 million, something like that. Remember, Soto's represented by Boros, so you know he's not going to take any kind of uh, hometown discount, which is a cl- – again, I'm not a Scott Boros fan – but uh, that'll be the way that, that plays out. So it'll be interesting to see when that deal gets done. But Soto in San Diego, great place to play, great ballpark, good fan base. And who's, who says that the small market teams can't go and go big, big game hunting? That will be a tremendous, potentially tremendous playoff uh, series with the Dodgers, the Braves, the Mets potentially. Those four teams are your favorites in the NL. Lots of other teams did some good work on the trade deadline in the American League. The Yankees with some big moves. Ben Intendi, Harrison Bader, they went out and got Frankie Montas from Oakland, so they fortified themselves. Minnesota went out and made a couple of moves. Houston made some moves. So you're going to have a the, – the the postseason in, the, in, the, in MLB will be tremendous. The regular season is not going to be great down the stretch the next two months, but the postseason series, these series, you could have some – Colossal matchups uh, involving some heavyweight teams, so um, Yankees, Astros, um, potentially the Blue Jays made some moves, Whit Merrifield goes to the Blue Jays, we'll see what Boston and Tampa Bay, if they one of those two can hang on, uh, there was talk about Otani potentially getting traded, that he did not, Noah Syndergaard went from Anaheim to the Philadelphia Phillies in a couple of moves they made, so... Uh, mega trades happened. Lots of big names got moved for the stretch run here of Major League Baseball. So the playoffs in MLB will be tremendous in both the American and National League. So uh, hang on another couple of months. I know the regular season is pretty bad for a lot of these teams. A lot of these teams have packed it in. It's it's lights out. but. Uh, The playoffs will be really good. Remember, the wild card round, all three games will be at the higher-seeded team's ballpark. So all three games will be in the same place. Be a two-out-of-three-game series. Then it'll move to the divisional round and then the the, uh, championship series. The Derek Jeter documentary is still going on. Got three more parts left. Six and seven are coming up. I'm sorry, five and six are coming up later this week. Uh, If you've not watched it, I would recommend it. It's been a good watch. Uh, they've done a real good job outlining the whole Yankee Dynasty, Jeter, some of the stuff going on behind the scenes. So they've done a really good job with that. So definitely take a watch uh, in, a, in a, ESPN is, is the one uh, doing all that stuff. So I think definitely uh, tune into that to the final three three episodes and then you'll be able to obviously on you'll be able to stream all the episodes if you choose to do that. Last topic I want to talk about before we get to TJ Reeves is the Miami Dolphins tampering uh, situation. The Dolphins get hammered by Roger Goodell earlier in the week. They are stripped of first-round, third-round draft picks. Stephen Ross is suspended from now until I believe it's week seven of the season. He's fined about a million and a half dollars. They apparently, the Dolphins were tampering with Tom Brady all the way back to prior to his New England Patriots reign ending. Um, they were, they, they were tampering with Brady, with Brady while he was a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they were tampering with Sean Payton when he was still the coach with the Saints. So it sounds like they got caught red-handed with their pants down big time. And good for Goodell for, for laying down a pretty significant uh, penalty. You can always debate whether the penalty is enough. But I think in this situation, it's definitely a, a severe penalty. You lose a first-round draft pick next year, third-round pick. Um, and again, they get caught with their pants down. And I think this will send a message to the league. I think Goodell is going to speak at an owner's meeting next week and really going to lay the law about the, moving forward, about he doesn't want this stuff happening. You obviously still have the Daniel Snyder situation in Washington. That will be adjudicated here in the next probably three to six months. Potentially what his what his fate could be as the owner of, of the commanders. But good for, good for Roger Goodell. My one question would be, should there be penalties for the people that are participating in the tampering? Tom Brady, the agent for Tom Brady, Sean Payton. Because you can't have tampering if you don't have two, two parties willing to talk. And I know it's tough to want to regulate the players from doing it. But to be, if you're going to be fair, if you're going to hammer Stephen Ross, should there be penalties to Tom Brady, Don Yee, the agent, as well as Sean Payton, for participating in the tampering. Those guys know it's tampering. They know it's illegal. So th- that would be the question I would ask you as the audience. If we want fair, we want to be fair. We want to be, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm the biggest Buccaneer fan there is, so I don't want to see Tom Brady get suspended, but you have to be fair and asking the question, should Tom Brady face any monetary fine, any discipline potentially, Sean Payton, Don Yee? It would be very easy to penalize the agent because the agent's typically the, the middleman between the owner and the player. So he's the one that's getting the phone call, getting the text messages, getting the emails, saying, hey, I'd like to meet Tom Brady. I'd like to meet Sean Payton. Um, so to me, that would be the area I would go after. If I'm if I'm Roger Goodell, I would, I would put some penalties in place for these agents participating in this stuff, especially when it's egregious. Uh, does tampering happen all throughout the year? Sure, but when it's egregious and it's a... You know, you're kind of sticking your nose at the at the man, so to speak, when you know it's happening and you're still doing it. That's the part that I think that, that has to be addressed by Goodell with the agents and potentially with the players and the coaches in the league. So, um, but the Dolphins, and it's funny, the Dolphins and the Buccaneers who were involved in some of the tampering allegations, they play in week one of the preseason next week, and they're going to have some joint practices next week as well here in Tampa. So, <laughs> Very ironic how all the penalties and all that stuff come down right before those teams get together and practice for a couple of days, and then have a preseason game next week. So, there's my thoughts. Again, TJ Reeves, Buccaneer Radio Network, uh, play-by-play guy. We're doing college football. We're going to talk Vince Scully. We're going to talk Bill Russell. We're going to talk to Sean Watson as well. So, stay tuned. TJ will be right around the corner. He'll be right back right after this commercial break. Powers on Sports Podcast. Appreciate you finding us. We'll be back to the podcast in just a moment now. A word from Titan Home Lending. If you, need to, if you are in the house purchasing business this year, this summer, reach out to Titan Home Lending to get pre-approved. You need to be pre-approved before you start house hunting with your realtor, before you can make an offer. All sellers are going to want to know that you're pre-approved. So reach out to titan home lending so you can figure out how much house you can afford based on your financial situation fha va conventional jumbo if you're self-employed i can, we can do non-qm type loans if you're a business owner and such if your credit score is not great we do have options for you as well so definitely reach out to titan home lending Anywhere in the state of Florida that you're looking for a home from Key West to Pensacola to Jacksonville to anywhere in between. Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. You can search us online uh, at Titan Home Lending. We can help you get approved for your home mortgage and we'll definitely get you a very good interest rate to match along with it. So Titan Home Lending, 205 205- 790-1404 and ask for Jason powers. All right. Welcome back to the powers on sports podcast. You just heard my thoughts on the major league baseball trade deadline, wild action all throughout around, around the league. If you heard my episode last week, I told you that San Diego Padres would be big players for Mr. Soto and such. And we also uh, gave you some thoughts on the Miami dolphins tampering situation So uh, more than happy to welcome our first guest to the podcast a regular here, you will be seeing him many many different platforms here in the next, starting here at the end of August covering his college football for compass media, of course sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers starting with preseason in about a week or so, Mr. TJ Reeves welcome back. Always good to be with you there, Mr. Powers. And do we
1: have some things to talk about? I know it's not quite football season yet, but man, we have a lot of news and a lot of different
0: stuff. So let's roll up the sleeves and get after it. It's been a crazy week of sports news, and it's only we're doing this on Tuesday <laughs> night and it's, or Wednesday night. Right? It's only Wednesday. It's crazy. We've had we've had some passings of some legends. We we're gonna let's start there. Two legends that have passed in the last several days. First off, Vin Scully Tuesday night. 94 years old, the iconic uh, broadcaster baseball guy. I want to hit him first because again you this is this is your wheelhouse. this is what you do for a living have done for a living for many, many years very successfully. Just your general thoughts about Vince Scully in the in the broadcasting world.
1: I don't know that we can do it adequately in just a few minutes or even a half hour. I, I sum it up like this. Uh, I've said this other places. I'll say it here on powers on sports. If you're talking about born to do something, Vin Scully born to call baseball on the radio. And then later, obviously paint the pictures uh, with a TV picture with, uh, with TV broadcasts. but uh, just, I mean, iconic, you can't think of the Dodgers without thinking of him. 67 years, yeah. seven decades going from Jackie Robinson. Hello to Don Drysdale, Sandy Koufax. Wee Reese move forward to Steve Garvey uh, and, and Fernando, Mike Fernando, Valenzuela, yeah, Fernando Valenzuela. Move up to Oral Hershiser, Mike Piazza, and now in the in the present with the likes of Clayton Kershaw and some yeah. of the other present day Dodgers to have spanned that seven decades. It's just incredible, and we cannot emphasize enough. Uh, that he was the soundtrack. If you were a Southern California sports fan, he was your soundtrack every night in the summer because the games weren't on TV in the 60s, right. 70s, and 80s. Right. You largely, we're not seeing Dodger games except the ABC Monday Night Baseball game or the NBC Saturday game of the week. You're a little older like I am. You, yes, locally they began to show some Dodger games here and there in the 70s or in the 80s. But by and large, to find out what the Dodgers were up to, you were either at the stadium on a ticket or listening to Vin Scully. So, Even more yeah. importantly,
0: you were in the stadium listening to Vin Scully. Oh, yeah.
1: That's <laughs> another good point, too, and listen to him on your way home from the stadium
0: in the car yep.
1: for the for the, uh, for the recap or if you're leaving like Dodger fans in the sixth inning. Show up in the second inning and leave in the sixth inning. But <laughs> in any event, um, just a class guy, a statesman, and how about he was still working games at 88 years 88. of age? Eighty-eight all the way twenty sixteen. Yes, yes. So again, not not unlike those that are gifted. Uh, again, you've got a sister that's an educator. My wife's an educator. Some, you know, some of these uh, people are just born to teach or yep. or convey. You're born to be a doctor, a physician, a surgeon. You're born to be a lawyer. You're born to be a conductor in the orchestra. You're you're born to do something. He's, oh, he right was now. born to be a baseball announcer.
0: Uh, and, and and again, you and I are pretty close in age. So, you know, kind of our wheelhouse was the 80s. And I mean, and he probably had two of the iconic, forget baseball calls, sports calls of all time within a two-year span. You had the Mets in 86 and then the Gibson home run in 88 to win it for the Dodgers. Just the ability on the spot in the moment when it happens to drop the perfect word, the perfect phrase, and, and most importantly, know when to shut up.
1: Well, yeah, especially on TV and let the pictures tell the story. And the Gibson thing, one of the biggest misnomers is that was game one. It was not right. game seven to win the right. World Series. It was game one. And I'll say this to you. It's always fascinating to watch that highlight. And at the time that we're doing this, ESPN is re-showing that entire game on Wednesday night as we release the podcast from beginning to end, game one of the 88 World Series Dodgers A's. And it is amazing to watch that Gibson moment where they were in dire straits. They were losing the whole Uh, Last part of the game, Dennis Eckersley was basically unhittable as the closer and just right out of Hollywood, right down the road, here comes Kirk Gibson hobbling to the plate to hit the home run. But when he hits the home run, you can see out the outfield pavilion of Dodger Stadium how many people are in the parking lot with the red lights of the brake lights and had left the game and are listening to Vin (laughs) Scully, maybe on the radio, although he's doing the game on NBC at that point. But I mean. Uh, It's incredible. And and let us not forget, he also did football and golf for CBS for many years. He did the NFL on on CBS. Again, I'm a little older. The famous catch, Joe Montana to Dwight Clark, is Vin Scully on the call on CBS when the 49ers beat the Cowboys, went on to win their their first Super Bowl, started their dynasty, absolutely. Vin Scully on the call of the NFC title game for that moment. So, again, iconic, iconic,
0: that guy. And and, and 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 last thing on him, and we'll move on to Bill Russell. Of voices in the last hundred years, forget about what, what politics, TV, he is probably in the top five voices that anybody in this world in the United States of America would recognize. Walter Cronkite. Yeah, yeah. Ben Scully. You know, you pick a, whoever your favorite voice is, but if you heard that voice the last hundred years, he's in the top five.
1: Yeah. I, I Again, we cannot oversell – the millions and millions and millions that were hanging on whatever this guy had to say, especially on the radio yes. when he built the empire. And then millions, and keep in mind now, when he was doing the World Series on NBC in the 80s, there's 40 million people watching. Let me say that again. Yeah. They now struggle to get 7, Ten. 8, 10 million. There were 40 million people watching. Uh, it's incredible how many more people were watching TV. Like, for example, the 86- Mets, uh, Red Sox series that you referenced, it was being beaten by NBC's lineup, including the Thursday night lineup of The Cosby Show, Family right. Ties. Right. I'm speaking your language here, and uh, and L.A. Cheers. Law, Cheers. Cheers, and L.A. Law that were on that was beating the World Series because they had 40 million people watching, while the World Series had 35 million people watching. <laughs> I mean, so he he really he really was that big of a deal calling the sport of baseball even nationally uh for so many years very true
0: all right let's let's pivot to bill russell another yes. icon who passed away over the weekend you know 88 years old again both these guys lived such great lives and the great thing is it sounds like they both of them kind of died of natural cause there wasn't a sudden passing they they kind of died peacefully and all that stuff from all from all indications but bill russell the, the scrutiny he had to endure as a as a black athlete in the 50s and 60s in a tough town of Boston, which was not known to be the most sure. sensitive uh, to, to, to the black athletes. Just your thoughts on Bill Russell. He's never going to be a numbers guy, but the ultimate winner.
1: Well, yeah, but the ultimate number is 11, 11 championships. Who's ever going to win 11 NBA championships again? in their career, much less six in a row, nine out of 10 years in the 1960s as the player. And he was even the player coach. How about yep. you win 11 and two of them, you're the player coach for the yeah. Boston Celtics. And, and as you mentioned, you were kinder. I mean, Boston, a notoriously racist city in the sixties and seventies during civil rights. And here was Bill Russell iconic along with a couple of the other Celtics Uh Sam Jones Sam and Jones, then yep. um, uh, um, once John Thompson jo jo White. played with him. John Thompson the elder played for them, but JoJo White became a yep. prominent player in the late yep. '60s and the early '70s too. So you had civil rights and racial tension and all of that going on as the backdrop, and the Celtics won and won all the time. And again, the NBA was not as prominent. Uh, the you know, they they struggled to get the games on on network TV. Yeah. The games yep. were not regularly on television anywhere, but um, Russell, I, iconic for a lot of reasons. Civil rights movement. He obviously met with and marched with Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Jim Brown, Al Ali, back in the uh-huh. day, aided Muhammad Ali and Ali's yeah. uh, court challenge to the Supreme Court to not have to go to the Vietnam yeah. War. Yeah. Very socially conscious at the same time, and, uh, and just a great ambassador uh, for the sport and the and the iconic. Celtics, again, you talk about dynasties uh, that, I mean, nine championships in 10 years. Yeah. That that is, there's only one better is if you win them
0: all, if you're 10 for 10. And and he also won two national championships in San Francisco, an Olympic gold medal. Correct. And won his final, I think I heard this stat right, the final 21 elimination games of his career. He was 21 and 0.
1: They, They never lost an elimination game with Bill Russell at the end. Uh, and he owned Wilt Chamberlain. Yes, Wilt Chamberlain part, was obviously yes. the other, the other major center and star of the sixties and the early seventies. And the Lakers never beat the Celtics. They could never beat Bill Russell and the Celtics. And certainly Celtic fans will be the first one to tell you, well, yeah, bakuzi. and what about Havlicek and the other guys that were with him? Sure. There were other guys that were with him, but Russell was the guy going head to head with Wilt Chamberlain and Wilt Wilt has amazing numbers to your point, 50 points a game. Yep. He averaged 50 points a game. Wilt would regularly have 50 twenties. Everybody talks about triple doubles. How about a 50, 20 where you have 50 something points and 20 something rebounds in a game. And he would regularly do that. But they, the point they couldn't beat the Celtics. He and Jerry West and Elgin Baylor and anybody yep. else that was involved with the Lakers. And I know we're going on the way back for the younger generation, but anybody from the sixties and the seventies with the Lakers and the Lakers Celtics rivalry, they continually could not get past the Celtics for the championship. So Russell with uh, such a great legacy and they now have the MVP award yep. is, uh, is named after him and uh, icon, no doubt. an Icon,
0: I saw another note too, when Wilt Chamberlain was the first guy to make a hundred thousand dollars in the NBA. So as soon as that deal happens, Russell threatens to retire to Red our back. You're gonna pay. You're gonna pay me one more dollar than what you're paying. What Will Chamberlain got paid, and he got paid 100, 100 and 001.
1: Exactly. How much is it important to you to put another banner or two or five up in the top of the old Boston Garden, and watch that happen? And um, again, it's amazing to say nine championships in ten years, eleven in his tenure. The Boston Celtics have won one NBA championship in the last 36 years. Now they were so dominant for so long, but if you, if you end with bird parish and McHale's 86 title against the Houston Rockets, you include Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce winning in 2008. That's it. I know 36 years, one title after they were so dominant in the sixties, the seventies,
0: and the, and the early to mid eighties. No, you're right. It's just it's just crazy how two of these iconic figures in two different sports—one was a yep. on the field player, and one never never played a day a, a, a minute of a minute inning in his life. Crazy. One other note. One other note about Vince Scully. We'll wrap it up. Vince Scully called the World Series at 25 years old, how youngest guy ever to call a World Series game at 25. And I know Joe Buck did it pretty young, but he wasn't 25 when he did it. And a guy who's Grown up in the business, the pressure that would probably have been oh, sure. for a guy like you at 25 years old. Hey, TJ, you're gonna call the Super Bowl at 25.
1: <laughs> you're not gonna be ready for that. I agree. It's it takes it takes a special talent and again, born to do this. You get you just got the feeling yep. and it and it's obvious that he was still on his game into his 80s. That, oh, yeah. that just God given ability to communicate and with the words and with everything flowing.
0: Absolutely. All right. You listen to the powers of sports podcast, TJ Reeves sideline reporter, Tempe Buccaneers podcast host Red dog Thursday coming up. we got a bunch of different podcasts getting ready to unveil in the fall here. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Again, um, going to be working some college football here this fall doing a yes, lot of doing as a great boxing podcast. So I'll let you Away. I have way away. I have
1: way too many hats on right now we've been doing a lot of boxing we got college football coming nationally with compass media i'm excited uh, to do some games with them i'll work the texas tech texas game as my first one in september okay. i'll work a game that people might be interested in alabama texas a&m on oh. october 8th some people might be interested on that so i'm letting you in on that on powers on sports and some other Damn games boy. too as the year goes on but it's a lot of fun and you know we're gonna obviously mention the Buccaneers a bunch whenever I'm on yeah. anywhere we're talking Buccaneers and at the uh, on the day that we're doing this Tom Brady turned 45 yes. years old. The Gold Happy birthday, 40, Tom! 45 years of age. Quick stat nugget uh, for the Powers on Sports podcast: the oldest starting quarterback in NFL history. You have the name. We talked about this off the air.
0: One Steve DeBerg. Steve
1: DeBerg, former Buccaneer quarterback, former 49er quarterback. How about Steve DeBerg was the backup to Joe Montana on the 81 Super Bowl team before he later came to Tampa Bay. So Steve DeBerg, who was in San Francisco, in Tampa a couple of times and with the Chiefs, he eventually went to the Atlanta Falcons as a veteran journeyman backup, hung on there with the Dan Reeves Falcons that went to the Super Bowl, the 98 Super Bowl season. Yep. Steve DeBerg started a game at 44 years, 290-something days. That's the oldest player in NFL history to ever start at quarterback until TB12, God willing, starts the September 11th game with the Dallas Cowboys. He will then become the oldest at 45 years in like two months, something like that, or 70 days, whatever it is. Incredible.
0: Most people think George Blanda, but he was a backup and never started. He and, played and in did, relief at 48, but and he never I did, started. Right.
1: I did look for the Raiders. He played yes. in a game as the backup quarterback at 48 <laughs> years of age. In 1975, he came in as a reserve in an Oakland Raiders game. But the oldest to ever start is DeBerg. And now it may be about to be the goat. And after the way he finished last season, Let's just hope he picks up where he left off. I don't know how long this is going to last. People keep talking to me about, can he keep it up? We don't know. Will the elbow hold up? Will the shoulder hold up? Will the offensive line be able to protect him from taking hits where he gets hurt? I don't know any of those answers, but it's going to be a lot of fun to find out, my friend.
0: I I would have loved to have been in that locker room today to see what kind of birthday cake or gag gifts that guy got. I when saw, you saw uh,
1: Fournette. You saw yes. Fournette put the goat cake on social media, <laughs> and I did a little research because I was doing other work that the goat cake was vanilla and it had guacamole or or avocado oh, nasty inside of it. Oh. And the woman worked for four hours to get the 3D goat. It's on Leonard Fournette's social media to get the 3D goat to kind of raise up off the sheet cake. <laughs> and I don't know that Tom Brady even touched it
0: probably didn't
1: and it does say on the cake he put this on social media he had a little sticker a little sign beside the cake that said 100 year old man next to it about the uh, the goat so they're joking around with Tom Brady on that and let's see uh as the Buccaneers unfold here in the preseason uh what it looks like and get ready for year number three with Brady all right
0: let's go to another quarterback issue that's kind of percolating here we finally the NFL finally or uh, the, the judge in the with the with the deshaun watson case finally made a decision suspended him six games on monday morning the nfl had three days to decide if they were going to appeal we were recording this Wednesday night on Wednesday afternoon late the NFL decided they are going to appeal the six game suspension and then so now goodell has a choice of who he wants to and again this is all negotiated with the players association so, so goodell's not stepping out of bounds here he has the authority to do this and we'll talk about some of the some of the uh, possible scenarios of the, the, what happens if he does do this. But the NFL is going to appeal, appeal the ruling, try to get more games. I think the sentiment you've I think we've heard the sentiment around the country. They think it's a little light. Most people probably think it's a little light. The judge in her ruling basically agreed with the NFL and said, yeah, he did a lot of bad things. He, she used some pretty explicit language, predatorial conduct and such. Just your thoughts, Deshaun Watson, only getting six games. Well, it
1: doesn't seem like it's enough, but again, uh, I'm not involved in it. The NFL will rule when you're talking about Ezekiel Elliott getting a six-game suspension originally for one allegation. Ben Roethlisberger originally got eight games, knocked back to six games for one allegation. Neither one of them criminally charged. And here you've got 30 allegations and it's only six games.
0: And he settled with 25 of
1: them. Yeah. And it's amazing uh, how this is all unfolded. And now the next part of the soap opera is, is that appeal actually going to get heard? Do they work something else out? I have to believe this is a year long suspension. That's what the NFL wants. Otherwise, what are we parsing six games versus eight games versus 10 games? So let's see. It's not going to be over with right now by this weekend or next week. The appeal is going to take time if there is an appeal. Now, interestingly, just real quick, they were trying to negotiate some kind of worked out agreement on number of games and couldn't come to an agreement. And the Arbiter ruled six. So are they negotiating again to where it's maybe 12 instead of for the year or maybe 11 instead of for the year?
0: And I don't know. And the backstory is the NFL and the players association negotiated to have this independent judge kind of be the the decision maker. So Goodell would kind of get the heat off of him of, He's always the one making the decision. And this is her first case in this role. And she only drops a six-game suspension when everybody that I've heard says that, I mean, six is just too light.
1: Well, and she went on precedent like we were just listing there right. uh, and, and used that. So she was in a difficult spot as it was, but this is what the appeal process is there for. Yep. If either side doesn't feel like it's just, then that's what they would do. You can't tell me if she had hammered a year-long suspension that Deshaun Watson wouldn't have exercised the same appeal to say, it needs to be less, it needs to be eight, or it needs to be six. So the NFL, with with all the uh, attention on this and 30 accusers, they want it to be more. It will take a little while to figure out, is it going to be more? And obviously, for the purposes of what we were just talking about, Buccaneers play Cleveland Thanksgiving weekend. And now let's see is Deshaun Watson right. back by then or not back by then. And even crazier, I keep saying this, he's available to play in the preseason. Suspended yeah. players are still available to practice with their team and play in the preseason and then begin the suspension when the season begins. So it's and he also
0: world. I also saw, let's say the suspension was only six games. He has to be away from the entire yes. organization for three weeks. But in week four, he can come back and start practicing for three weeks to amp up to play in week seven if it stays at six games.
1: So is that really a suspension at that point? If you're able to practice, just not playing the games, that's a bit crazy. And here's the other thing. We'll see. Yeah,
0: here's the other thing. If you're the Cleveland Browns and you're the 49ers, if he ends up getting more than six games, let's say he gets 12 to six or a full year, do the Browns get back into the Jimmy Garoppolo sweepstakes if this gets changed to a – you know, are are they really going to go That's with the good for the whole the whole the whole run?
1: It's a good point, and Brissett, you know, Brissett has some some experience playing in a couple of places, including Indianapolis and Miami, uh, previously in New England too, by the way. But I think it's a great point because Garoppolo's on the outs with San Francisco. Yeah. What do they do? It's it's a fascinating, evolving soap opera. Last chapters
0: not written as of yet. No, no doubt, no doubt. All right, give the fans a quick up, update of the Buccaneer preseason schedule. Radio-wise, and locally, if you're in the in the Bay Area or the state of Florida, tell us where we can find the Buccaneer preseason So you can check it game. out.
1: Uh, Buccaneers flagship is 98 Rock in the Tampa Bay area. You can also hear that on various affiliates. It's uh, it's on 95, uh, I believe 95.7 in Orlando, the sports station in Orlando. But anyway, you can, you can find a list on Buccaneers.com. You can also hear us through the different platforms like Sirius XM and tune in to hear the NFL broadcasts of mean Gene Deckerhoff, who is about to enter uh, what season 34 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the radio. Dave Moore, our radio analyst is about to enter uh, what season 16 for him. I will enter season 18 on the game broadcast on the sideline. I have been associated on and off with the Buccaneer radio network for 23 seasons. God, I'm old, but anyway, that's how you find us through uh, the Buccaneers media and the preseason begins with the Miami dolphins at home. And you have that whole backdrop with the Steven Ross stuff and the dolphins tampering with Tom Brady and tampering with Sean Payton. And the first preseason game is dolphins, Buccaneers, Although Todd Bowles, the new coach of the Bucs, did announce Brady's not going to play in that first game with the Miami Dolphins. They're going to hold him out for that first game. But how fascinating is that for the preseason opener?
0: And when you're at Raymond James stadium, be, uh, now are you still going with the khaki pants this year? On the sideline? Khaki,
1: khaki pants have been like a trademark. My twins, when they were very little would always look for daddy's khaki pants. The problem is everybody else is in khaki pants when they were looking for those, but yes, I will have the khakis. I will. You've seen me, you've seen my act on the sideline with the Buccaneers shirt and the khaki pants. So we'll be ready. We will be ready uh, for Buccaneer football in year three of Tom Brady and What's going to happen? I mean, it, we've said this before on your show, and I've said this a bunch of places. The, these were the two best back-to-back seasons the Buccaneers have ever had with a Super yeah. Bowl win followed by a 13-win division-winning season where you won a playoff game. Yep. Can it be three ultra-successful seasons in a row? We're about to find out.
0: And remember, folks, we've been doing some NFL previews. We've already previewed the AFC-NFC East. We're going to be previewing the AFC-NFC North next week with David Moulton. We're going to have a, a, a AFC-NFC West preview with tyler jones who's out in the in the in the midwest covering the, that that market as well and we're also going to hit the, the AFC, the amc nfc south so episodes as we get through august we're going to be hitting previews on these divisions love it college football previews so give give the audience one more rundown all the different podcasts we're going to have coming up in the fall
1: Well, we got all kinds of craziness. Again, find me uh, at Buck Sideline Guy, B-U-C, Buck Sideline Guy. Also, the Three Dog Thursday podcast. We talk underdogs, college football and the NFL. We have fun with underdog predictions. There's big stuff coming with Three Dog Thursday. So stand by uh, for that in a bit. And I love what you're doing on Powers on Sports. Are we going to share something with the audience here? Stay tuned. Stay tuned because if you're a college football fan, we're going to have a fantastic podcast feed for college football fans that's coming called College Football Coast to Coast. Real original name, but it is easy to keep yeah. track of everything going on in college football from a bunch of various voices with insight and analysis, College Football Coast to Coast. You'll hear more about that as August turns to September and the college season gets here. Cannot wait. Well, the Florida Teams in the state be better. You know, is it an Alabama coronation? Is it Alabama and Ohio State all the way? Does somebody else mess that up here? uh, Out of the variety of Georgia or uh, Michigan or Oklahoma or on and on, or USC with Lincoln Riley, what's going to happen? There's so much college football every which direction. So we're anxious. We're anxious for the seasons to come up. And if you're interested in boxing, there's a couple of prominent fights yeah. coming in August and September. Big Fight Weekend. Big Fight Weekend is the website. Big Fight Weekend is the podcast feed. Lots on the, uh, on the fights. Heavyweight title fight later in August for Alexander Usyk and Anthony Joshua of England. Yeah. And then uh, Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin will fight for a third time in September. So the boxing is at Big Fight Weekend. Again, I got many, many hats. I'll be too many hats, but that's better than not having enough hats. Jason powers. That's
0: true. Two points. I'll get us out of here. Give a shout out to the Lars Tate family, large Tate, a former Buccaneer running back passed away kind of unexpectedly in the last couple of days. Yes. He played for the bucks back in the late eighties. He was a tailback from Georgia, had a really good career. Georgia played in the NFL four or five years. He passed away. And then last question, the big question of the day your two teenage daughters are heading <laughs> to high school next week. <laughs> Have you and Mama had the chat about? Is that all the all the 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 t's crossed and the i's dotted for that?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know who's uh, who's really ready. We're gonna find out. Got to get our game faces on. We're stepping up into the big time. They're going from the big fish as middle schoolers, as eighth graders, and being the oldest uh, students on the campus to right back being the youngest. And my lord, here we go with uh, boys. I'm not ready for that driving Friday night, ki- football, Friday Friday night, night football, football all kinds of things and that's your world too because you work the Friday night games officiating as well all right so we're anxious for all of this to begin because all over the Tampa Bay area school is starting shortly and you're right my two are about that cannot believe I'm verbalizing my two about to be high schoolers Jason
0: right. you got it all right folks appreciate you finding us Again, JPO sports is the Twitter handle. We'd love to hear your comments, suggestions. You got some, uh, feedback. We'd love to hear it. Remember next week, we will have David Moulton, the new, uh, partner. He's partnering with partners with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck working for ESPN Monday night football. He's going to help us preview the AFC and NFC North. He also works CBS Saturday, the, the SEC on CBS works with, uh, Brad Nessler and Daniel, since you'll see a ton of David Moulton, you, I know, you know, David a little bit, so check out that folks. And we will see you next time on the powers on sports podcast. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening to the powers on sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at jpo sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.